0: The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T, welcome to episode 55. Today is December 31st. 2016 in the United States, the last day of the year 2016. It's New Year's Eve. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas or whatever else you celebrate, if anything. For those of you like me who aren't particularly religious, well, Merry Gravmas. (laughs) But whatever you celebrate, if anything, hopefully your super cow powers provided you with lots of yummy food and many packages to open, at maximum RPM, of course, and that you aptly got a lot out of this holiday period. I know, I know, I'm slacking with my puns here, but the good news is that, being a good liberal, I tend not to tar people with too wide a brush, hence my allowances for all religious beliefs here. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll just zip it right with the the demonic Linux puns. (laughs) As they say, less is more. I just got back from St. Augustine, Florida. And as you can tell, I have been mentally affected by that trip. (laughs) Buddy of mine just got married uh, to his longtime girlfriend. Both of them are veterans, uh, served over there in the sand pit. Met over there in the sand pit, actually. And since they are the best of friends, it looks like this marriage actually stands a good shot of going the whole distance. That would be a very good thing, and we certainly hope that that happens. You know another very good thing? I was carrying the entire time, all the way from the moment I left my home here in Virginia. Yep, just like my dad used to do. And yes, it was entirely legal for me to do so. See, uh, Virginia has reciprocity with all but one of the states along that route. The only one one we don't have have it with is uh, Georgia. Well, no problem. I've also got the Utah permit, which gives me Georgia as well. So I was completely legal from door to door. And that, friends and neighbors, is a very good thing. Consider that I was going to totally unfamiliar territory, and naturally, well, I wanted an insurance policy. There were no problems at all, but there were a couple of times that I was glad to have it with me just in case, because, well, as my dad's example shows, you never know. It's just like an insurance policy. You hope you never, ever need it, but... If you ever do, you're awfully glad it's there. See, this is why we need nationwide reciprocity, so that people who aren't police officers can also protect themselves. Now, I'm a pretty big, stout guy. But even so, there are plenty of bigger fellows out there, and some of them have knives and such. I wouldn't want to have to defend myself against that. But if I ever do have to, I'd really like something that can help even out the odds. And this is another reason why I also think Vermont carry is such a good thing. That's especially true when you're traveling to, or through, unfamiliar territory. I was reminded of that on this very trip, actually, when I had car problems. Yep, stuck on the side of the road there in St. Augustine, Florida. At night. Pitch dark. On a two-lane highway with no paved shoulder. This was not the best situation to be in, folks. Fortunately, I was able to limp the car back to the hotel, and everything turned out okay. That's why you're listening to this now. I just got back home late last night. I have my carry piece, just in case. Fortunately, nothing bad happened, but I always think of my dad's example in situations like that. Folks, it is our responsibility to protect ourselves when we're out there. I wish we all could just sing Kumbaya, you know, and not have to worry about it, but that's just not reality. It's not. Reality is that there are some folks out there who will see the hood of your car up like that, figure out, hey, there might be some easy prey there, and try to pounce. Well, that's not going to happen on Cowboy T's watch, though. How come? Well, it's because Cowboy T, the San Francisco liberal, has a gun. I can defend myself. And that brings up an interesting topic, actually. I make decent money at this point in my life. Lifetime of hard work has made that possible, and I can now pretty much buy, I don't know, any gun I want within reason. It's pretty cool to be able to do that, folks. But not everyone's at that point. I remember back in the college days when I was far from that point. What do you do when you're on a shoestring budget like I used to be, and not so many years ago? This topic was suggested by a listener in New Jersey. She knows who she is, and since it's an important topic, let's go over. Let's go ahead and, and cover that topic. If you're on a tight budget, as a lot of us are, there's no way you're affording a high-priced Smith & Wesson Model 686 unless you get extraordinarily lucky. You're definitely not buying a Colt Python, <laughs> that's for sure. Even a Glock, which is an excellent value for a reliable pistol, even that can be a stretch for some folks. Oh, and then there's range practice, yeah. Now, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by shooting ranges within a pretty close distance. But uh, you take someone in, say, California, sometimes you're talking about a two, three-hour drive just to go practice. That's just not practical for most people, so they're not going to do it. You're definitely not going to be able to do what I did for a long time and hit the range three three to five times a week. Let's also remember this. Range time is not exactly cheap in most places. Oh, sure, Cowboy T can afford it at this point in his life. But I couldn't always I had to watch my budget for a long time, not just during college but for several years after many people in cities like New York, Chicago, Jersey City, you know Baltimore, Washington DC San Francisco, LA Los Angeles, for those of you who don't know what that is, and so on etc are in just this situation yeah, just consider the single parent in the inner city. That parent's got enough on his or her plate just with child rearing. I mean, come on. But, like that mother in Detroit showed us a couple of years ago, any parent worthy of the name wants to protect his or her child, too. Oh, yeah. Single folks in the cities, they want to protect themselves, too. I'm gathering that the listener in New Jersey is in just this situation, you know, single and wants to protect herself. She has every right to do so. So, therefore... We're going to talk about that. This is Cowboy T's treatise on affordable armed self defense. We'll jump right into it as soon as we get back from the break. Stay tuned. okay we're back the topic is armed self-defense on a budget let's jump right in we'll talk first about handguns then shotguns then rifles and we'll end with how to practice on the cheap let's begin with the handguns first and foremost there are people out there that'll tell you that oh you gotta spend six hundred dollars on a gun or else you just wasted your money and your time yeah, sure, easy to say that when you're talking about your money and not theirs. <laughs> but here's the thing. Most people saying that actually do have a gun, or guns, multiple ones, that cost about that much. So they're actually practicing what they preach. Glocks are about $600 or so. So are Smith & Wesson military and police models. Same with Springfields. And don't even get me started with Kimbers, H&Ks, Sig Sauer's or FNs. Those things are even pricier. Also, you don't necessarily need a semi-auto pistol, which most people recommend. They recommend semi-auto pistols. You don't necessarily need that. You go to my range, all the guys there will tell you I tend to somewhat favor revolvers. There are a few reasons for that. It's largely because it's so easy to collect your brass for hand-loading, and I am a hand-loader. That and I can vary the loads I make more easily. There's another big reason. Revolvers, I find, are also easier to operate with less buttons and gizmos on them than the semi-auto pistols have. There's no such thing as a safety on a revolver, for example. The safety is your head. But that said, you know, I, can, I certainly can and do enjoy semi-auto pistols as well. Make no mistake, I like them both. Oh, yeah, there, here's a San Francisco saying, I go both ways. <laughs> First and foremost, let's get back on track here. <laughs> First and foremost, let, don't overlook the used gun market, okay? Seriously, don't. Most of my guns are used, in fact. I got some really good deals that way. Uh, here's an example. Uh, there was a time I helped buy, uh, a friend buy a gun. She happens to be gay. And she knows that not everyone likes gay people, unlike us pink pistols. Turns out one of the gun show vendors was having a big closeout on uh, used Smith & Wesson Model 10 revolvers in 38 Special. Uh, these were security guard trade-ins, and uh, let me tell you, they were very attractively priced. And the Model 10 revolver is a very classic, reliable revolver. So I helped her pick a good one out from the inventory. Cost her $179. Yeah, that's right, $179. Bucks. She loves that gun. And here's another one. Taurus is a Model 65 or 66 in three fifty seven Magnum. Basically the same gun, one has fixed sights, the other has adjustable sights. Rear sights, that is. Um, that's what Miss BHC, my camera lady, uses, and it's proven itself to be a reliable, solid performer over the years. Yeah, she got that gun used. Actually, I got it for her. Uh, at a good price. Taurus revolvers are not only solid pr- uh, performers, but they also tend to be pretty darn affordable. Uh, Charter Arms also makes a pretty decent revolver in three fifty seven Magnum, so consider those two. Their quality's gotten a lot better over the years, I got to say. So they're a valid choice now for for budget guns. Oh, and one other thing. All 357 magnum revolvers, every last one out there, will also fire 3 uh, excuse me, 38 special rather perfectly. This is by design. So you can use the less expensive 38 special rounds for general marksmanship practice just like I do. Okay, now, now let's talk semi-autos. These are the type where you you rack the slide. Uh, This is the ones that the cops carry most of the time nowadays. These are your Glocks, your Springfield XDs, high points, and so on. I'm going to do something that a lot of gun stores say not to do, including the one I sometimes work for. I'm going to recommend a high point pistol to you. Yep, that's right. I'm actually recommending a high point to you. Now, high points are the red-headed stepchildren of the semi-auto pistol world. Uh, they've got a big, heavy slide to them because um, uh, of how they operate. It's an old-school blowback operation. They have absolutely no uh, snoot value, if that matters to you. It doesn't to me, but you know, some people it does. The gun snobs, let me tell you, they definitely turn up their noses to high-point pistols. Why do they do that? It's because of the price. I regularly see high-point pistols for $180 brand new. Brand spanking new. Yeah, $180. Bucks. Think of them as the Volkswagen Beetle of the gun world. Simple and functional. They come in 9mm, 40, and 45. My personal favorite of, them, of those is the 45, but I've also shot the 9mm version, uh, the 9mm type. Uh, they, they might not have the sleek lines of a 1911 or you know, a Smith & Wesson M&P. I know they don't. But doggone it, they feel good in the hand, and they shoot very well. Which is really what matters here. A VW Beetle ain't luxury, but you know doggone well it get you from point A to point B. High point pistols are just like that. They're they're simple guns that work. If you're on a budget, I'd recommend the nine millimeter version since the ammo's cheaper than forty or forty five. Trust me, nobody wants to get hit by a nine millimeter any more than they want to get hit by a forty or forty five. I sure don't. Oh, but the gun snobs! The gun snobs! Oh, please, remember, the gun snobs are the same folks who feel the need to keep up with the Joneses. Well, I'm not interested in that, and I doubt you are either, since guess what? The Joneses aren't buying your gun or my gun for us. Neither are the gun snobs. If I had known about high points before I bought my 9mm, I probably would have bought the high point, actually. Which, of course, begs the question... So what does Cowboy T use for a 9mm? <laughs> well, my personal 9mm is a Ruger SR9. I picked it up for 350 bucks. It's solid, as Rugers generally are. Ah, the trigger feels a, bit, you know, a little bit plasticky, sure, but the gun shoots dead on target, and it's doggone reliable. So if you want to step up from a high point thing, go ahead and consider Ruger's SR series if, you've, if you can stretch your budget a little bit further. Uh, It's everything a Glock is, but for less money. So, to sum up, if you want a revolver, consider a Taurus or a Charter Arms and 357 Magnum. If you want a semi-auto pistol, consider a High Point, followed by a Ruger SR series. I've had personal experience with all these models. And, again, don't overlook the used gun market. Seriously, there are some good bargains to be had on the used gun market. Now, let's talk concealed carry. For that, you want something you can hide pretty easily. You know, we're talking about a small semi auto pistol or a small revolver. On a budget, that's a bit harder to find, I gotta admit. For revolvers, again, I'd be looking to Charter Arms's or Taurus's offerings. However, there are options now, even for, for women's fashions, where you can actually conceal something like a Glock 19 or a Ruger SR9. Yeah. I know one woman who can still carries a Ruger GP-100 revolver and three hundred fifty seven Magnum with a 6-inch barrel. <laughs> so it is possible. Well, of course, that's not exactly shoestring budget. <laughs> and she does make a fair amount of money. Also, after a lifetime of hard work, so she's earned every penny. For the shoestring budget, I'd be checking out, you know, again, the Taurus and Charter Arms' smaller 5-shot revolvers in thirty eight Special if you can stretch a bit and afford, you know, say $350. Uh, Ruger's LCR revolver and thirty eight Special is another excellent choice. And actually, it's here that I would not recommend a semi-auto pistol. Not in this particular market segment. The budget ones I found are just not reliable enough. I've seen too many of them. They're also harder to rack the slide in most cases. In an, oh my God, I need help now situation, you can't afford an unreliable gun. You can't afford to be futzing around with the darn thing when you know the, the assailant's coming down on you. You need something that works now. So in this particular case of the shoestring budget for concealed carry, I would suggest going with a budget revolver. When we come back, we'll talk shotguns. See you in a moment. Let's jump right back into affordable shoestring budget self-defense. Now we're talking about shotguns. Why a shotgun? Well, because Vice President Shotgun Joe Biden said so. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. (sighs) All Shotgun Joe and I may disagree on a whole lot of things. But this time I've actually got to agree with him on one point. Yeah, this particular one. For general home defense, it's kind of hard to beat a shotgun. But instead of a double-barrel 12-gauge like he says to get, I'll suggest something a little different. For most people, I'd suggest a pump-action 20-gauge shotgun. Why not a 12-gauge? Well, I'll do like Ricky Ricardo asked Lucy to do and, and explain it to you. Yeah, I'm going to explain it to you. A shotgun fires a lot of pellets at an assailant. And if uh, the home invader gets hit by a shotgun blast, uh, a full-on shotgun blast, they're going to know it. Odds are they'll drop right there with a good solid hit to center mass. 12- and 20-gauge shotguns will drop an assailant, folks. I'm talking right now. And that's exactly what you want. I do own a a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. Mine's a Mossberg 500. Great shotgun. Very reliable. Hold seven shots in the seven rounds rather in the tube magazine, plus one in the chamber for a total of eight rounds. And I can fire it okay. However, I'm a pretty big guy. Miss BHC's tried firing that shotgun. She can do it. Once. After that first shot, she put it back down and said, No more, thank you. <laughs> and I've seen this very same reaction from especially women who try out a twelve gauge. Folks, the kick of a 12-gauge shotgun is not for the faint of heart. Even I stopped after about 20 shots with the thing because my shoulder starts hurting. 12-gauges do have some serious kick to them. That's why I suggest a 20-gauge for most people. You put some buckshot in a 20-gauge, huh, that home invader's going down right now. I'm talking do not pass go, do not collect $200. Yet that 20-gauge's kick can actually be handled by folks smaller than I am, including Miss BHC. There was a blonde woman, I remember, I'd say oh, you know, in her late 20s. Uh, she allowed me to try out her Winchester 20-gauge pump-action shotgun at the range. Man, that thing was a pleasure to shoot. She herself was also very good with it. I think it used to be her uncle's, uh, if, if memory serves. Well, whoever it used to belong to, it's hers now, and nobody's going to mess with that lady in her home. That's for doggone sure. Turns out, shotguns are very good for the shoestring budget, too. Uh-huh. You can get a Mossberg 500 like mine for about 250 bucks. Mm hmm. Mossberg also makes a lower status model. They they call it the Maverick series, which, you know, for home defense purposes is just as good for about 200 bucks. Maybe even a little less on sale. Think about it. $200 for a shotgun. That's not bad. A company called hotson H A T S A N, they're another gun manufacturer. Um, also makes a copy of uh, the Remington 870 design. They call theirs the Escort. I've fired one of these Hotson Escorts. Spent some quality time with it. Yep, they work, and they're reliable too. I've seen them for just over two hundred dollars. And finally, if you can find a Remington 870 shotgun on the used market, I've seen it for about two fifty to three hundred. The Remington 870 is the most popular shotgun ever made, which may well be why Hotson copied it. And for good reason, it's the most popular shotgun ever made. This is the model that the police departments uh, typically use. Now, why a pump action? Two reasons. Uh, First, they're extremely reliable. That's why the cops use them. (laughs) Second, they're less expensive than a semi-auto shotgun. Remember, we're talking shoestring budgets here. So, in order, here's what I'd suggest. Here's what I'd buy. First choice, Mossberg 500. Second choice, Maverick 88. Third choice, Hot Sun Escort. Fourth choice, Remington 870. Any of these will work really well. Again, don't ignore the used gun market. Seriously, it's hard to mess up a pump-action shotgun. Here's another reason shotguns are good for the shoestring budget. Bird shot for range practice is dirt cheap at your local Walmart. I'm not kidding. It's about the cost of 9mm ammo per round. That goes for both 12-gauge and 20-gauge, by the way. Seriously, I love Walmart for buying shotgun practice ammo. Can't beat it. That's another reason I suggest 20-gauge, by the way, instead of, say, the, uh, the next size down, 28-gauge. Everybody carries both 12 and 20-gauge. You can find those two anywhere. Not so with 28-gauge or smaller. And the smaller rounds are, ironically, more expensive than the two bigger ones. It's because it's all because of economies of scale. So 20 gauge is probably your best balance of effectiveness, recoil, and price. And when we get back, we'll talk rifles. Why would you want a rifle for home defense after everything I just said about shotguns? I and mean, after all, who would dare to disagree with shotgun Joe Biden, right? <laughs> well, it turns out there are some very good reasons for considering a rifle. Stick around. We'll discuss that very point. See you soon. Rifles, rifles, rifles. Who needs a rifle for home defense? <laughs> I do. Huh, Cowboy T? You just said it's hard to beat a shotgun for home defense, and you sang the praises of a pistol. What's up? Here's what's up. Mother in Detroit. Little kids are in the house. Three home invaders bust in an attack. Mama grabs her rifle with 15-round magazines and starts returning fire. The home invaders go running, scared for their own lives. But wait! Apparently, one of those home invaders hasn't quite had enough. Uh Uh-uh. Goes back into the house to try attacking Mama again. What, does this guy really have a death wish or something? Well, so Mama hears him coming back in, slaps fresh magazine in her rifle, and blasts at him again. He goes running like the wind, this time for good. What did Mama use? She used a high-point rifle and 9mm. The thing takes 15-round magazines. She had two magazines full and ready to go. Good thing, too, because, unfortunately, home invaders have gotten smarter and have figured out to attack in twos, threes, and even fours. You know, overwhelming Forest Blitzkrieg style. Didn't work on this mother... Uh Uh-uh. Hey, she was defending her home where her babies were sleeping. So, right on, Mama. Here's another one. Say you live in, uh, oh, Hurricane or other natural disaster territory. I was just in Florida, so I'm actually thinking about this. This is fresh in my mind. Let's see. We've had not just Hurricane Katrina in recent memory there in New Orleans, not just Superstorm Sandy in the Northeast... But the southeastern corner of the United States gets flooding and major storms every doggone year. Oh, uh, not to mention all the tornadoes that happen in Tornado Alley. Here's what happens a lot after one of those natural disasters hits. Gr- uh, uh, gangs of looters, they go marauding and stealing from people's homes because you know, folks have evacuated. Well, sometimes there are 15 or so to a group. You think you're going to stop 15 or so marauders all by your lonesome? good luck. Even Bruce Lee would have a problem with that one. Unless you're armed. At that point, you'll probably need a few more rounds than the eight or so that my Mossberg 500 shotgun can carry. And that's why you might want to consider a rifle for home defense. There's a fellow named Hickok 45 on uh, YouTube. He's got a great channel. He did this terrific comparison between a double barrel shotgun like Joe Biden recommends, shotgun Joe Biden that is, and an AR-15. He did this comparison just over three years ago. This was, of course, in light of old Shotgun Joe's statement that you don't need an AR-15 for home defense. Of course, then I'd be asking why all Shotgun Joe's bodyguards have fully automatic M16 machine gun rifles for his defense. Oh, but I guess I'm not supposed to mention that. Nah. Bad Cowboy T. Bad Cowboy T. Well, turns out Hickok 45 showed pretty conclusively that inside of a home, A rifle is also a good choice. But I do agree that an AR 15 probably isn't the best choice, at least if it's in 5.56 NATO, for home defense if you're in a suburb or the city. Now, if we're out in the country, totally different, but we're talking the suburbs and the city now. Now, okay, now let's consider also a change in chambering, change in what we call caliber, what is commonly called caliber, but it's really chambering. We're talking 9mm, 40 or 45, on the other hand, and an AR 15 chambered in those, then I'd say it's an excellent choice. The reason I prefer those rounds over the 5.56 NATO for home defense is something called overpenetration. A 5.56 NATO round can penetrate several walls rather easily. In a home defense situation, you want that round to hit the bad guy and not go all that much farther. You certainly don't want it going into the next house. This is why I'd recommend a high point rifle in 9mm just like that Detroit mama had. They're about 350 to $400. So for the amount of gun that you get, they're very affordable. Also, being a shoulder-fired long gun, they're a bit easier to aim than a handgun. Now, suppose you do want an AR-15. If you do want one of those and you know that your walls will actually stop the round from leaving your apartment or townhouse or brownstone, then by all means, yeah, get one, sure. Because of the recent presidential election results, AR-15s have stayed remarkably affordable. I see these things for about you know five hundred and fifty dollars for the, the DPMS Panther models. They're basic AR-15s that work very well. But since we're talking about a shoestring budget, you probably need to save even more money. And this is after all what we're talking about a shoestring budget here. And that's why I recommend the high point rifle in 9mm. Not only is the gun inexpensive, but so is the ammo. But wait, Cowboy T, hold up. I live in New Jersey or Maryland or California or some other place with repressive high-capacity clip laws. What do folks like us do who can't get high points or ARs, AR-15s and such? No worries, folks. Cowboy T's got you covered there, too. Oh, yeah. For you folks, I recommend a good old-fashioned lever gun. Yep, we're talking cowboy style here. Well, yeah, I am cowboy tea, huh? Seriously, though, you know, John Wayne, Winnetou, and old Shatterhand, all that good Western stuff. Specifically, I recommend a Rossi Model 92 in 357 Magnum with a 16-inch barrel. I actually have one of these. Uh, just like the revolvers, this 357 Magnum lever gun will shoot the cheaper 38 Special with no problems whatsoever. How do I know that? Well, because I do it all the time. Duh! (laughs) Even when you stoke that rifle with three fifty-seven Magnum rounds, though, it does not brutalize your shoulder the way, say, a 12-gauge shotgun might. It does not brutalize your shoulder like that. Now, let me tell you a little something about three fifty-seven Magnum ammunition when you fire it out of a rifle. It's already potent stuff coming out of a revolver. That's why the police used it for so many decades. It's good stuff. Out of a rifle, though? you about double that power. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's because, well, to a certain point, the longer the bullet's in the barrel, the more time the gunpowder has to shove that bullet and make it go even faster. So, given that, why the 16-inch barrel? Why not the 20 or the 24-inch barrel? Don't we want all the velocity we can get? Well, remember, we're talking home defense, right? This is a home defense situation. What you don't want in a home defense situation is getting that barrel caught on something. You want it to be handy and maneuverable. And the longer barrels, those longer barrels past 16 inches, they really don't add enough additional velocity to be worth the maneuverability trade-off that those longer barrels make you pay. So that's why I like the 16-inch barrel. I can fit eight rounds of 357 Magnum ammo in that magazine or nine uh, rounds of 38 Special. If you have to... You can also do what's called top-loading if you run through you know, all eight rounds. It takes practice to do it, but with practice, you can do it and defend yourself. I see them doing this in the cowboy action shooting competitions sometimes. They've practiced a lot to be able to do it, but it can be done. A Rossi 92 can be had, if you shop carefully on the used gun market, for between oh, 400 four and $500. That's granted, it's a bit more than the high-point rifle, but if you're in gun unfriendly territory, it's one of the best options you can get. Of course, any gun, no matter which one you have, you better be practicing with it somehow, some way. Now we've got to deal with the expense of range time. How do we deal with that on a shoestring budget? Now that we'll deal with as soon as we get back from our final break. Stay tuned. Okay, let's talk about range time. We all know if you're going to have a gun, you got to practice with it. Since I do work for a gun range, I can tell you that, well, range time isn't the cheapest thing in the world. That especially goes for ammo, by the way. So, how do we deal with this? Well, I've got a few ideas in mind. First, if you do have a local gun range close to you, I'd be looking pretty strongly at the annual membership options. Usually, these allow you unlimited range visits, so you could go every day with no extra charge if you wanted to. I actually did just that for the first oh, year and a half or so when I was learning how to shoot. It cost me just under $300 for the entire year, and boy, did I make use of it. The only other expense then was ammo. Speaking of which, second, I'd suggest taking up the hobby of hand-loading. Seriously, you can get a setup where you can make all the ammo you want on the cheap for about $300 or even less if you shop well. Yes, I'm serious. Why spend $300 up front like that? Well, it's because of the money you'll save per round by rolling your own ammo. Let me explain what I mean. Say you're like me and, I, and, you, and you shoot thirty eight Special. Personally, I recommend either thirty eight Special or 9mm for price reasons. They're good, common rounds that will do the job without bankrupting you. A fifty round box of 38 Special costs about oh 20 bucks at my local Walmart. At the gun stores are between $25 and $30. We'll use Walmart's prices for comparison reasons since that's the best price we can typically get. How would you like to make that same fifty round box of 38 Special for $6? Yes, it can be done. I do it all the time. Let's see here. You do an initial investment of $300 for your hand-loading setup. That means after 50 boxes of 38 Special, you've recouped your investment. So what's 50 boxes times 50 rounds per box? 2,500 rounds. Oh, gee, that sounds like a lot, Cowboy T. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I used to think, too, until I started practicing regularly. (laughs) Say you go to the range twice a week, which I consider personally to be the minimum for learning how to shoot competently. Let's further say... You use one 50-round box per trip. Most people I've seen use more than that, but let's say you just use one 50-round box per trip. That's reasonable. Okay, twice a week, 50 rounds a visit, that's 100 rounds a week. You can do that for 25 weeks or about six months. When I was learning how to shoot, I was going four to five times a week, and because of that, I developed a good, solid foundation. Eventually, I reduced it to three, and... But that's getting ahead of myself. Anyways, I'm a pretty good shot now, and I don't have to keep going four to five times a week or even three anymore to stay in decent practice. So 2,500 rounds rounds lasted me about 12 weeks or three months. Believe me, it goes by fast, (laughs) faster than you think. That $300 I invested in my hand-loading setup paid itself off very quickly. Seriously, that's all it takes. After that, after that point, you're making your 38 special for $6 a box. That's a cost savings of $14 a box. Now, that's what I call a bargain. Suppose, though, you're in an apartment and you're concerned about fire hazards or having, you know, gum powder and primers lying around. Well, it's perfectly safe, provided you just use a little common sense. But if you are concerned about that, then you might not take up hand-loading. Also, you might be like my mother, uh, and she's like, what, three, you know, two, three hours away from the nearest gun range. She's at least a few hours. You still need a way to practice, though. What do we do then? I'll tell you what I do a lot of, even when I don't go to the range. I do what's called dry firing. This works especially well with revolvers, by the way. Some semi-autos, they tell you not to do that because it can wear the parts out, but there's a way to deal with that, so we'll address semi-autos here in a moment. For now, I'll focus on revolvers. Dry firing is essentially firing the gun without having any ammo in it. What you do is you make good and sure the firearm is clear. Good and sure. That is to say, no ammo in it. Then you pick a spot across the room to use as a bullseye. Then, well, you act just like you're firing it. You line up the sights and you squeeze the trigger. This does a few things. First, it develops muscle memory, which you'll need in an oh-my-God situation. Side alignment, trigger squeeze, folks. Side alignment, trigger squeeze. Second, it strengthens your trigger finger. Hmm. Essentially, you're giving your trigger finger a workout here. Dry fire till you get tired. Then, take a rest for the day and do it again tomorrow. Rinse and repeat. You'll get better as you do it. I reiterate, folks, make sure the gun is unloaded before you do this. Now, let's dress the semi-autos. Some semi-auto pistols can actually be damaged by dry-firing. That would not be good. Therefore, someone invented a solution. It's called the snap cap. Basically, these are dummy rounds, and fortunately, they're A, not very expensive, and B, reusable for a long time. You can reuse these things again and again. What you do is you fill the magazine with these dummy rounds, and only the dummy rounds, by the way... You slap your magazine into the gun, chamber a dummy round, and act like you're firing it. You line up the sights, and you squeeze the trigger. To do the next round, you rack the slide, line up the sights, and squeeze the trigger again. Rinse and repeat until you're out of dummy rounds. Refill your magazine with the dummy rounds and have at it again. There are laser pointer adapters for guns with laser-sensitive targets that come with them. But remember, we're talking about a shoestring budget here. Dummy rounds for semi-autos or dry-firing for revolvers are good options for the shoestring budget. That's why I myself do it, too. You know, Hey, just because I make a decent living now doesn't mean I don't care about saving some coin here and there. After all, my dad was Jewish. (laughs) But seriously, um, these are the old-school methods for practicing, and they work just as well today as they did back in the old days. I can attest to their effectiveness. They work very well, thank you. So, hopefully we've given you some ideas for what to do if you'd actually like to defend yourself on a budget. Always remember that old saying, it ain't the arrow, it's the Indian. It's true. A good Indian, if you will, will put that bullet just as much on target with an inexpensive high point as he would with a high-priced Sig Sauer. I've watched Miss BHC outshoot people with gun setups way more expensive than her cheap Taurus. I think it's episode two where I went into how she outshot all these folks. It was really funny to watch. I mean, they had suspension systems. and ex- They didn't have holsters. They were suspension systems. They had expensive guns. The whole setups were just like big money. And she outshot them all. She and I still get a kick out of that, and it's been a few years now. Oh, by the way, I myself have done the same thing. I've even outshot several police officers. That's right. I've actually outshot even some cops, and I'm hardly an expert. It's not so much your equipment, folks. It's whether you practice enough with it. It's just like any other skill, or as Miss BHC put it, it's it's like needlepoint. You can do this. Whatever you do, I sincerely urge you to go ahead and get something. I'm sure glad I did. Guns are no more dangerous than the people who have them, and as long as you're responsible with them, you'll be just fine. That Detroit mama's sure glad she had hers. She and her children are alive today because she had that gun. This is Cowboy T signing off on our last podcast of the year 2016. Until the next time, safe shooting, practice often, And thanks for listening. Happy New Year, everyone.